on a scale of 1 to 14, 1 being lowest degree of likelihood, 14 being absolute metaphysical certitude. know this. Well, why don't they just get a house that's already painted? Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Absolute Metaphysical Sportitude podcast. I am Ryan Weggs, joined, as always, by Chris Weinfurt. Chris, it is well below zero here in Wisconsin right now. How are you holding up? Good. I thought I was doing a podcast with Jim Nance with the hello friends that you gave us at the you beginning. Know, you got to mix it up every now and again. And imitation is the highest form of flattery. So Jim CBS Nance, I'm, I assume you're listening. Hopefully there's no copyright infringement there. CBS has teased us with enough masters. Like they don't, they don't do it, you know, when they're trying to promote the equalizer or Hawaii five Oh, but they do give us like one every broadcast of a master's commercial and it just, it pulls me in and whoever's ahead of their marketing department has got me hook, line and sinker. The, the playoff football master's ad has to be one of my favorite moments in, in commercials. And there aren't too many these days. And it's just for me, like that's the kind of fan this is for where it's like, you're a golf fan as equal to a football fan, like I bet you there's a lot of people who are probably in the flyover states who are like, who gives a flying fuck about the masters right now? And it's like, I do. I'm the one this is right. for. This is a very, a very strategic scalpel like marketing campaign for CBS. So I love, I love it. So this is a rarity for us. We're, we're doubling up on, on back to back single topics, but you know, the NFL runs everything. Obviously, we're in the midst of the playoffs. If I sound sad, it's because I am sad. Let's just start with the 12-ton elephant in the room. The Green Bay football Packers absolutely choking on Saturday. It, it, I'm, I'm still, I, I still don't know if I'm ready to talk about it, so this might be a real short segment. I'm ready to talk about it. I'll let, I'll I, let you start then. Well, I think as, as all Packer fans... It was this growing kidney stone of the special teams for the entire year where you're like, especially for, I don't know, I I like to think of myself as maybe a little elevated of a football fan to know that it gets down to playoff time. And if this weekend wasn't a uh, uh, exhibit A for the for evidence that you need from every single game that special teams is important, especially, you know, kicking. Uh, there was a huge issue that we've had all year, but I mean, kick coverage, kicking off field goals. I mean, it was just, it was a comedy of errors and these games are all close. You're not going to win in blowouts. And, uh, it felt, it felt like they were going to get away with it, but then all of a sudden you're kind of like, Oh yeah, wait, I forgot, uh, that this was a problem. So I'm very disappointed, but also like, I, you knew that this was going to be the team that was going to let us down, meaning like the, the unit, I should say, that was going to let us down. Uh, and you just hate that it's special teams, right? Like in, in the past, it's been like, oh, our defense, our defense, our defense. And then this year you're like, oh, like the kickers and the and the punt guys? Like, I don't know. It, it feels like, it, it, I think part of the mourning process for fans that it's not like in past years where you're like, you know, for the last you know couple decades, Packer fans have been like, "Well, we'll 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 run it back next year." You know, we've got Far, we've got Rodgers. 
this year there's just there's less uh, certainty about who's going to be on the team next year. And so I think that's what Packer fans are kind of uh, lamenting as much as the loss itself is the unknown future that we now kind of are circled with. So I, from what I've seen in, in the world of social media, I don't know that there's so many fans that are even lamenting it right now. I think people are wanting it. The, the vitriol towards Aaron Rodgers is unbelievable. And I, I saw some fire Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur comments out there which let's just let's just are we the cowboys now like what are we the cowboys are are no we're not eight and eight we're not the cowboys we lose a playoff game and so all of a sudden it's kind of like what's the head coach's fault and it's like we are the uh spoiled rich kids of the nfl that you know we can we can go 13 and three every now granted it's disappointing every year right but i i i i'm always i'm always very curious as to the anybody who's calling for LaFleur's head or calling for any coach's head who's had success is like, well, who, who's a better option out there? Like, are you going to go get right. Belichick? Well, like, is it, is he the guy? It, it's the, it's the classic case of, well, anybody, any, anybody's better. And then right. when anybody comes in, you find out anybody sucks. And that's why, you know, uh, Packer fans, uh, you, you are owners, but thank God you're not in charge of decisions because you're all terrible. Right. So, it sounds like you, you want Aaron Rodgers back next year. I do, but I also understand the finance part of it. I think of, of anything else, I think maybe what's kind of overlooked about all of these, I would call them kind of erroneous articles about where is he going? Like, what's the fit? Rodgers didn't even know, like during the season or whatever. And as much as, as I bet you, I, I'll tell you this. I think that Rodgers wants to come back. Uh, but I also think that it doesn't make sense financially for him to do so. Like it's just, it's the way that his contract works and the way that all of these kind of superstar quarterbacks contracts work now, it really submarines the team. And I think the Packers know that they understand that, you know, now that Patrick Mahomes has got a, you know, what does he get? What is he? $10 billion or, you know, 10 year, you know, 55, you know, hundred thousand, you know, years they're going to put on that contract. It doesn't make sense for them for for us to to bring Aaron Rodgers back because it's his contract would be you know he'd be a big cap hit and we now we, you got to sign other very key players and I think for me I'm slowly coming to the realization that for the last uh like I said couple decades the quarterback and the offense has been the real driver of this football team this could be a different team that you're looking at in three years in that we could have a really good defense and, you know, and Jordan love is a game manager because let's remember folks, when Tom Brady came into the league, he was not the Tom Brady. He is now, he was a game manager. You know, he threw for like 180 yards a game. Um, And obviously there were some special skills there, but I think the Packer fans should be ready that you're not going to have a hall of fame quarterback behind center. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to win games. Fair. At the same point, it's just sad. The The idea of Aaron Rodgers wearing colors other than green and gold stinks. It, it stunk when Brett Favre left and played for two other teams. It's going to stink. And I know it's part of just how sports are these days. Um, and you, you mentioned Tom Brady. You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Let's get to those two things. But before we do, I want to just one thing that I will say for the entire Packers special teams units, I felt for them because what I saw 
was myself standing on the tee box anytime there is a water hazard to the right of the fairway. I knew in my head I'm not supposed to hit it over there. And so all you're thinking is, don't hit it in the water, don't hit it in the water. And I watched 11 guys line up on every kicking formation and go, let's not screw up, let's not screw up, let's not screw up. And inevitably, what happens every time? I put it in the water, and they forget the block. And that's where we ended up. Yeah, we could dive into this further, but I'll say that uh, you're you're not a professional, and they are. So, well, fair. But... <laughs> From a mental standpoint, you could see on their faces that there was no confidence in what was happening. Yes. They yes. were they were tentative, they were on their heels, they were they were waiting for somebody to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And when you're waiting for something bad to happen, bad things happen. So instead of going out and saying, We are going to execute XYZ, they were thinking about what they didn't want to do. And as soon as that thought's in your head, it to your point, yeah, I'm not a professional. Well, if it affects me in that way, how much is it going to affect them in that same way? So, uh, who do you want to talk about first, Brady or Mahomes? I will, let's transition because I feel like there is a little bit of a transition that's natural, at least for me and my mindset around the the Tom Brady and and the Buccaneers. Uh, Give you a chance to but- dance on his grave. I I'll be honest. Saturday night was uh, a bad case of sports depression. You know, it's just you know going through the processing <laughs> of accepting it, and then you know, uh, I'll be honest. By Sunday after the the Rams had won, it felt a little better because f that guy. I it was probably I'm probably more calm now knowing that. I don't have to hear for the next potentially week, two weeks, three weeks, however long is, you know, us just throwing Brady's jock in our mouth and just washing it, you know, rinse and repeat. He's the greatest. He's 44. He's 45, you know, going through the TB12 diet and, you know, like, oh, isn't Giselle great? Like, I, I just, I'm over it. I'm glad that they're done. I'm glad that they, they had their heart ripped out too. Like I, it would have been great if they would have gotten blown out, but the fact that they came back and they're like, we're going to do this. And then Matt Stafford of all people beat him. It just, it, it gave me a lot of schadenfreude for those of you who are not German speakers. It is the joy in the, in the demise of others. And that's what I had Sunday afternoon. So we saw it in the Packer game. We saw it in the, this game with the Rams and the Buccaneers we're going to it's going to be a recurring theme throughout these four games of what was probably the best full weekend of playoff football I've ever watched. Can anyone in America play defense in the final 2 minutes of a half or game? Well, anyone. I'll I'll throw the question back to you is that is it it do you think it's scheme or do you think it's players at that point? I, I think it's a little bit of both. So to the same point that you're going with the like when you're playing defense, your job is always to stop the other team from scoring. That's not any different in the last two minutes as it is in the first two minutes. So again, you're going out there as a defense and you're saying, okay, well, we, we don't want to let anybody behind us. And, and if that's the only thing that you're worried about, you give up everything else. And it's not like teams are so used to going up tempo. It's not 1995 where every team runs you know, 
75, 80%, 90% of their plays from under center. And like, man, the offense is super uncomfortable if they have to go no huddle. Every team is spread and can run. So no, like throwing the ball over the middle of the field, running up and spiking it to stop the clock. Teams can do that so much more efficiently and effectively now that it's not just the sidelines, but you still see them giving up 15 yards down the sideline, 18 yards down the sideline. And now all of a sudden you're stuck in no man's land where you can't give up 10 yards because that puts them in field goal range, but you still got to guard against the 40 yard touchdown. And and so I, I don't understand where something has to change because it's, it's clearly league wide. It happened in all four games last weekend. So you can't just say it's on a coach. There has to be something there in scheme or philosophy that someone's missing. And until, you know, they, they make a play. And, and I don't know if it's a, a case of, well, that's that's the safe thing to do. So if you if you call, a, you know, four deep and Cooper Cup go, you know, makes a great play over the middle, you go, well, that was just two guys making a great play. Like, what, what else are you supposed to do on defense? Whereas if you rush, you know, you blitz and, and you send six guys and Cooper Cup's open over the middle, it's, well, how could you blitz? You got rah, 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 rah. Right. What a, and so by, by doing the safe thing, you avoid the criticism, but you lose. Yeah, I think it was in both those games. It was the Sunday games where you had kind of like two differing philosophies. Not that Tampa Bay should have been playing for overtime because the, the game was tied. Uh, but you've got, you know, a situation where Tampa didn't do the kind of the shell defense and Cooper Cup got behind him. Then in the Buffalo game, you've got a couple decisions there, and I'll I'll kind of roll them back to, I think, why you see very particular defenses played in those situations is because of the, uh, I would call it the uh, pass interference uh, mania that has kind of gone on the last couple of years. They've they've said they've kind of tried to equal the rules out that people are calling offensive pass interference too, but let's be honest, it's still tilted towards the offense. In that, if I'm a if I'm a, a quarterback and I've got let's say you know 13 seconds left or whatever, and the Chiefs went with a different philosophy, but I just go, I'm going to throw this up into the single coverage, and I'm going to ask my receiver to either as the ball's in the air do the analysis like, can I catch this? And if the answer is no, you just say, hey, Meryl Streep, get out there and act your way to a penalty. And Mm -hmm. since it's a spot penalty, so that's why I think defenses are going to that deep shell is because we want to be able to have a double team on anybody so you don't get any corner having that kind of that panic. And I think that's allowed for, I mean, some very open spaces, just thinking of the, the Buffalo and Kansas City game. And and to be honest with you, you've j- you made the comment. I think a lot of us would agree that it was the best, you know, weekend of of uh, playoff football we've seen in a while from top to bottom. That was preceded by one of the worst uh, weekends in, in playoff football in a while. But I don't think the NFL has a problem with it. I think that they loved the the ending of the Bills Chiefs game, and it was it's kind of you know score orgasm, and so they don't really care. And people are talking about you know greatest games of all time, and I'm sure we'll kind of touch on how that game ended and how games should end. Uh, so I, I'm look. I was watching those games. I was like. You know, I, I didn't know when when it was going to be over, but I'm like, I think that there should be a tinge of defense, and I think that I'd like to see a little bit of it. But I know that the the mass public just kind of loves the crazy nature of like score here, score back, score here, score back. Um, 
and I, I, I'm, I guess I'm fine with it. It's the, the Packers loss wasn't based on, on terrible defense. It was just, you know, terrible special teams. Well, there, so bills chiefs, let, let's also point out the fact that you and I were in unison on the other three games in terms of picking winners, and we're 0-3. Mm-hmm. Thanks to this game, I get to wear the golden sombrero of humility uh, and will be watching home team this weekend before I tune into the AFC and NFC championship games. But let's just go right there. You, do you think overtime rules need to be changed? Before we get into the actual game itself. I think I am uh, one of the uh, rare people who doesn't think that needs to be changed. I, I, I Look, I think people are focusing too heavily on the coin flip as being this like detrimental, like, oh, like Josh Allen played a great game and he never got to touch the ball at the end. I'm like, yeah, sports isn't fair. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how many times that people need evidence to kind of be like, well, it's not fair. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Like sports sucks. Yep. And, and, that, and everyone was and everyone was crying for the rules to be changed in, in week 18 when the Raiders and Chargers went right down to the wire in overtime. Yeah. Everyone said, well, boy, if they had just won the coin toss. It's, I, I don't like this very retro but look back to go and say like, well, you know, what if the game had kept going? Like, shouldn't both teams get the ball? And it's like, no, the Buffalo Bills, when they took the field on Sunday night, they knew what the rules were. So did the Kansas City Chiefs. So the fact that like when Josh Allen goes out there to call the coin toss, he knew what he was doing. He knew that, hey, if we don't win this, there's not a great chance I'm going to get the ball back. So like, it's not like it just kind of was like sprung up on him. Hold on a second. So the let's look at i know i I hate to bring facts to a to an argument but don't do that what what is the percentage of the time that the team that wins the coin toss wins in overtime there's no way i would know that what what, okay so what what would your guess be uh 65 try (laughs) 52.8 Well, it's because I, I I went as I mean I think a lot of people thought it would be higher. Is I was going that low because it's like well usually what happens is is that like the first team will kick a field goal because I, I don't know how many overtime touchdowns I've really seen besides the one we saw this last Sunday. Um, yeah, I, I it's recency bias, right? It's like oh we yeah. just saw a game where it it just screwed over the Bills and right. or not screwed over, but like the Bills didn't get a chance to touch the ball at the end. It's like well you know go for two. I don't, I don't know. I, I just, it's, I think what we do is no, we kind of do these, <laughs> we do these like reflex, like, well, how would the game have changed? You know, like we only right. do that in close games where we take a look at like the final couple of plays and it's like, right. well, okay. Like I, I just don't, and people are reaching back to like, you know, Oh, remember when, when Patrick Mahomes didn't get to touch it way back in, you know, when, when Brady and the Patriots went to the Super Bowl, like, yeah, like they, so it, life balances out, doesn't it? Well, and the other part of it is too. What what's I, I should pull up the the win probability, but you are winning by three points, kicking off with thirteen seconds left. Yeah, like you're supposed to you're supposed to to win from there. Well. And I think too, what, what happens is, is that, you know, I I thought that it would like people start second guessing every decision a head coach makes. And that's why I think 
these guys need to have very tough skin. And then I think a lot of them, sometimes they have too tough of skin and you're kind of like, wait, you're not listening to any feedback. I, the, the whole Sean McDermott, should he have kicked off? Should he have, you know, made him run back a play or whatever? I'm just, I, I hate doing hypotheticals, but I think people would have criticized it if they wouldn't have kicked it off. McCall Hardman's, you know, goes all the way and takes it back for a touchdown. Uh, there's, or, you know, he re- returns it 40 yards. Kind of like, why would you put your, your, uh, your, the hands of your fate into the special teams when you have the number one defense? So it's, it, it, there's no way you can win, right? Like, unless you win. And so I, I don't criticize Sean McDermott. I don't criticize even the Buccaneers for calling, you know, any kind of defense they played on blitzing there. I just think fans have this like second guessing that they do that I think is very unfair to the players and coaches to go and say, you have the, the hindsight, you know, to look back on it at in the time, in the moment. Yeah. They, they have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, Thanks for tuning in, fans. But yeah, fans are dumb. <laughs> I, I will say is that like I think that it, it's obviously great atmosphere, great whatever. But I think the the ability for now every single fan to have a voice, whether it be through Twitter, or Facebook, or any kind of social media, or mm-hmm. you know that now the the shout ability of of sports reporters, um, you know, to say, oh, I am shocked that they lost, or like Sean McDermott is the dumbest coach in the NFL, or right. Matt Lafleur needs to be fired, and it's like it's all this very just hyperbolic, just like what, like why, like why do you need to do any of all of that over the top stuff when it's like it sucks? There's one team at the end of the year in every single sport that you know that that wins, and yet we always want to fire 25 coaches every year. <laughs> The, the win probability chart of the Bills and Chiefs game is maybe one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's kind of it's like a heart monitor. Minute 16 to go, Buffalo Bills win probability 91.2%. <laughs> <laughs> and it only that, gets that worse and better. Yeah, exactly. It all, and, you know, uh, it's it was pretty unbelievable. I mean, even with, with eight seconds left, you know, they're, they're still at a 66% chance. Um, it's this- pretty crazy. Has this last weekend changed your mind on like, I mean, looking forward to this weekend. Um, do you have any, any predictions or since your golden sombrero, are you going to stay away from those? Oh no, you've got to keep shooting. There's I watch stay away. What, what I mean, shoot or shoot. thank goodness I wasn't gambling last weekend. Uh, <laughs> and I, my kids can still go to college, which is great. Um, so that there's, there's the risk free portion of it there. But uh, I mean, the 49ers have owned on. the 49ers have owned the Rams and yet I, I'd have a hard time I think you got to go with the home teams the Rams and the Chiefs this weekend I I think it's I think it's funny that like minute 1 after the Rams beat the Buccaneers there was the euphoria of winning and going to the NFC championship but then I think their social media immediately took over and was like hey Rams fans don't sell your tickets. <laughs> like what a great fan base that you immediately mm-hmm. after like you celebrate, like, Hey, we're going to have a home game. You have to tell your home fans. Don't sell your tickets. Not, not a home I, game, a home championship game. Yes. And I, I, I Thank thought goodness my, we brought football back to LA. I, I thought to myself, I, I kind of went and did like a quick Rolodex in my mind of like how many NFL teams would need to send that tweet out. And I, I knew that the Packers uh, weren't one of them. I think it's a low majority, but there are it's a, or it's a low number. 
But I think there's 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 more than just the Rams. Is there? I think the Jaguars would probably have to to tell their fans not to sell their tickets. See, well, that's assuming the Jaguars have enough fans to sell out the place in the first place. Well, so that's a part of it, right? Like, is you have to be like, well, you know, even if they, you know, if they had the the maximum capacity of fans, they'd kind of be like, hey, Ticketmaster, don't sell these to outside the Jacksonville area. We'll just cover the seats like they do at Laker games. So who who do you like this this weekend coming up? I we we haven't even touched on on Joe Burrow. Um, do you want to do you want to touch on Joe Burrow a little bit? What what are your thoughts on Joe? Yeah, let let's touch on Joe Burrow. Um, okay, so are are you're clearly a fan of Joe Burrow? Do you think that they have a chance this weekend? I mean, you said the Chiefs are gonna you said the Chiefs are gonna win, but like you mean in like a blowout, or you think it's gonna be a close one? No, I mean, well, you asked me to pick. I, I got to pick somebody. I'll take the Chiefs. But yeah, they definitely have a chance to win. I mean, they're the the Bengals are clearly showing that they can win in unconventional ways. Giving up nine sacks, probably not the way you draw it up, but still came out to win. What I think, you know, when you and I talked, and it, if you'd have said, "Well, it's going to be a low scoring game, it's going to be kind of a knockdown drag out," you'd say, "Oh, well, that's going to be Titans all the way." And, you know, they proved that they've got they've got not just the confidence on offense with Burrow and Chase and and those guys. It's their, their defense showed up in a big way and, you know, they weren't going to get pushed around. So, you know, you go back. I mean, they they beat the Chiefs at home in week 17. So it's, it's not impossible. But Kansas City, tough place to play. Say whatever you want. I mean, it they've definitely got a chance. I really I, I like Joe Burrow. I lo- I like the Bengals story. It's a great story. I think they're going to get blown out this week. You think clock strikes midnight? Done. I think, and when I say blown, I mean I, I just mean that the the if you look back on that game against the the Chiefs that they won, the Chiefs were up early. Like the Chiefs were dominating early in that game, and then their controller ran out of juice, and they had and like something happened in the second half. Mm-hmm. I think there's a real chance that the chiefs kind of go back to that first half kind of uh, game against the Bengals. And like, I think it's going to be whether the score is, is out of hand or not. Like, I think it's going to be a very, the, I think the chiefs are going to have to play a pretty bad game for the Bengals to get to the super bowl. Not to say that I don't want to not see it happen. I'd love to see the Bengals win. I, I, I mean, anybody who's a fan of, of eighties football or early nineties football would love to see a 49ers Bengals uh, Super Bowl again, uh, and I then you not. got. I, I love the eighties no? and nineties. I, I would not like to see the 49ers win. Oh well. So wait, are you one of those not, fans? Not that I want the- LA to like get a Super Bowl and all that. It just, I just can't. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Okay. I, I I get it. I'm I'm on I'm on board with it. I, but I do feel like they've they've put the game in prime time. They should have put in prime time. The NFC game is definitely. Yeah going to be a better game at least from the my feeling about it is that I, I feel like the Chiefs uh they had that week what was it 17 game pretty well in hand by the time it was going to the second half and then something happened that I, I just don't see them having that kind of that second half hey should we guard Jamar Chase or not kind of uh, afternoon sure. so I I like I said love to see the Bengals keep it a close game love to see the Bengals win 
and how about a, a Bengals Rams Super Bowl? That would be insane. insane I'll take to... it. Good. I mean, I think most of us, at least speaking for myself, I always felt bad for Matt Stafford. Like, seemed like a good guy, just tough situation in Detroit. Like, always played hard, plays tough, and you know, just was on crappy teams for his whole career and then gets traded to LA and they're making stuff happen out there. So, you know, I could see it for him. Like, Hey, give this guy a chance to, to make a run and, you know, let lions fans feel something close to winning for once. (laughs) I, I will be honest. Like I, as if there's any Georgia bulldog that I could ever cheer for, it might be Matt Stafford. Uh, and it's lucky that he has played Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo in back-to-back <laughs> weeks. Cause that are the, those are probably the only two scenarios I, in which I would cheer for Matt Stafford. I am going to have recurring nightmares of just watching the ducks that Jimmy Garoppolo threw floating past Packers defenders who seemingly did not understand that they were allowed to intercept the passes. It, they're like I, I didn't. I I texted a friend and I said, "Did did the Packers know that they can intercept these these things?" And the response I got was, "I hope it was discussed in pregame, because <laughs> it did not seem like the cornerbacks specifically understood that when the ball comes wobbling past you, you can put your hands on it." I will I, think of the think of the Los Angeles Rams game prep last week when you're facing off against Tom Brady, and now imagine that you're going into game prep against Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, what is right. the where you're like, hey, like guys, like we might not get a chance to pick one off, but we just gotta you know keep everything in front of us with Tom Brady. He did throw a pick, but now you got Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're like, hey guys, like within five yards of the line of scrimmage is kind of all we really need to worry about. Yeah, you can say that, but that's also Jimmy Garoppolo that beat you 31 to 10 this year and beat you in week 18 and beat you twice last year and beat you twice before that. Is it? Yeah, well, you're right. And I that's got to be the most frustrating part. And that's why I would think that the Rams would be extra motivated. I mean, I think anytime they would play the 49ers to be like, not this guy, like of anybody, not this guy, because Nothing that he's done this postseason besides, I mean, I get it. Winning is a, is a great stat for quarterbacks to have, but if I am a team and I am in the market for a quarterback and I'm even putting the Packers in that, you know, in that boat, I'm not looking at Jimmy Garoppolo and going like, that's our answer. I, I am thinking Jimmy Garoppolo has a market in a team where it's like, they're looking to rebuild and they need kind of like this like duct tape quarterback to get them from what they just failed at at quarterback to like their quarterback of the future. And that's like, you know, like the giants, you know, that's like the Eagles, like, you know, or, you know, or or like the Redskins. You're like, I'm not getting Jimmy Garoppolo and being like, wow, look out for us. You know, Jimmy G is really going to take off here. Like, I think we have enough evidence now to be like, he's, you know, he can, if he's in a system that has a, has a running game, that's great. But he's never going to be able to be like, hey, you know, let's split him out four wide and Jimmy's just going to huck it around the park. But the the thing of it is, Jimmy Garoppolo is doing that for San Francisco. They've got uh, Trey, what's his name, who they think is their quarterback (laughs) of the future. Trey Lance, sorry. I was going to say Trey Wentz. I knew that was wrong. So they've got Trey Lance waiting in the wings. The thing is, 
they're going to get to two Super Bowls with Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's that's the part that really stings. And you could talk about like how we're we're spoiled as as Packers fans, and we definitely are in a lot of ways. At the same time, we've had these two great quarterbacks, and Jimmy Garoppolo is knocking on the door of making as many Super Bowls as as Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre have won. Well, so, so far, you, Jimmy's, you say all that, Jimmy's but, one uh, but at the end of it, at the end of it, Jimmy Garoppolo has a potential to go to two Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers has only ever been to one. Well, and I you're, think you're Mister National Championships are the only thing that matter. <laughs> so. Like, to watch, would, to, to watch. But I'm saying for your team too, right? So would you trade, you know, some? Would you trade a decade of eight and eight seasons for two more Super Bowl appearances? Are those my two options? Yes, you can have you can have what the 49ers have had since 1990, or you can have what the Green Bay Packers have had since 1990. I'll take the Packers still. Okay. Yeah, because I think it's I, I I think the Niners have one Super Bowl win, and so do we. I mean, I, I would agree with you. Uh, I, I would I, take what the Packers go through as well. I, I think just being consistent is is there. But um, the think, Niners have I, not have not won a Super Bowl since nineteen ninety four. They've yeah. been to the Super Bowl twice, but they have not won. Yeah, that was the the Jim Harbaugh Super Bowl with with Colin Kaepernick, and then the the Kyle Shanahan uh, one right. with Garoppolo, where they lost to Patrick Mahomes. I, I'll say this: is that I just think it's it kind of goes back to team construction, where it's like because of the fact that Aaron Rodgers, or I, I'll just kind of blow this up even more, is that that because teams have invested so much in their quarterback, you look at at the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, and the Chiefs and and Patrick Mahomes you don't have the big money to go after defenders who are going to be make an impact. And so that's why, you know, the chiefs are working with like, they've got Tyrone Matthew and, but then they've also got Daniel Sorensen out there who is a human turnstile. And so you're like, okay, like, well, we have to play Sorensen because we're giving, you know, $55 million a year to our quarterback and the same thing with the Packers. And so that's why you get someone like Tom Brady, who I will give him credit for one thing is that he does, he did take, you know, some, some lower salaries to go and play for, for the Buccaneers lower than top end because he knew that he needed players around him. And so, yes, like I would love to have Super Bowls with, with Favre and, and Aaron Rodgers, more of them with both of those players. But because of the way that roster construction works, like you can't just kind of like have this unlimited bundle of cash. Right, but on the flip side of that, three of the four teams this weekend who are still in it have big money quarterbacks. Yeah, well, I would say yes, I would agree with you, but also the like it's it's the mortgaging of the future. It, you know, the Rams have no draft picks for the next, you know, and the even the 49ers don't because they traded up to get Trey Lance. And and Patrick Mahomes like again, that's that's huge money. I who knows how they're going to be able to pay all those superstars in a couple of years. I I just I I think it's it's one of those things where your if your ownership group is saying, you know, we want to have this sustained success, so it'll be very interesting to see what the conversations between the Packers and and Rogers turns into, because from a financial standpoint, which I don't know if a lot of maybe Packer fans can maybe think of is to go and say, to be honest with you. Yeah. You should let, if you let Rogers walk, you know, you're going to let Devonte Adams walk too. But like, if you get rid of both those players, you have 
a lot more cash on hand to spend on defenders and or, or other players. And that's why the new window in the NFL is quarterbacks on their rookie contract. You know, that's why it was the the Mahomes for the first couple of years and why they've had sustained success. When Russell Wilson came out, he was on that rookie contract so they could, you know, afford all those defenders. These NFL quarterback contracts are just submarining cap space. And so it's like as as a as an organization, you're like, well, you almost got to have to kind of like start like, you know, re-upping your quarterbacks every six years because you're, you're not going to be able to afford the I think what was it? Packed and holes like 10 years and I don't know how many, you know, how many millions, like $500 million or something like that. Like it's, it's crazy to think about those numbers, but then also to think about, well, Hey, you also know that like, yes, you know, you're the highest paid quarterback in the league, but now you're going to be throwing to guys who should be packing groceries and selling insurance in four years. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And I just, in, in order to win in this league, you either have to have an amazing defense or an amazing quarterback. I think, you, yes. and you can, and you can win with just one of them and, and, and average around it. Right. So I, I agree that you, you got to obviously be cognizant of the cap space and all that, but I just, when you have, when, when you, when you have a known commodity at quarterback, that goes such a long way. And it, I, I think you can, you know, you talk about the insurance or whatever, what in terms of the wide receivers, like, yeah, Julian Edelman's not going to the hall of fame. He's got a lot of rings. What Wes Welker, I don't know what he's doing right now, but he's staring at his championship ring on the shelf while he's doing it. Like, and I don't mean to compare everybody to the Patriots because obviously they're an unbelievable dynasty, but it, 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 you don't have to have Jerry Rice and John Taylor and Roger Craig. Like that's just not going to happen anymore. And so you have to find the glue guys in the middle, regardless of their position. But when you can build that around a, a hall of fame level quarterback, or at least a high level quarterback. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to put Josh Allen in the hall of fame just yet, but man, I contract or not like pay that guy, whatever he needs to stick around and play. Like you just, you get winners, you get those people that, that then lead the team and give confidence to everybody else and make them better players. I just I hope I hope the Packers hang on to Rodgers. I hope he comes back. I think they can still win with him uh, as as quarterback and and I, I don't want to see this era end just yet. No, I don't either, but I think it's getting into the the so two quarterbacks that come up when you talk about next big contract are Lamar and Baker. And thinking about both those guys, the the organization has to make a decision because I, maybe not Baker, but as much as Lamar is to go and say, especially how the way that they ended this year when he wasn't playing to go and say, are we about to pay this guy? Let's just mid-level like $42 million a year to be, to be our quarterback when, you know, we're not even sure, you know, his durability issues. We're not even sure, you know, how, how effective he is in the playoffs. Cause we haven't seen him, you know, and it's those decisions are bigger to go and say, Hey, we're going to put 42 million into one player because, you know, and does he have that big of an impact on the game? Yes. He's got an impact. Yes. You can get to the, to the, to the playoffs with, with a great quarterback playoffs are pretty much a, a pretty standardized thing. If you've got a great quarterback, 
but as an organization, when you're thinking about it, you know, like you just said, you know, the the Wes Welkers and the and the Julian Edelmans, hell, Josh Allen throwing to Gabriel Davis, you know, like how guy broke NFL records this last weekend because they were doubling Stefan Diggs, and so he was able to take advantage. And those, like you said, those are the guys you need. And I think when I think of where you find those players, it's well, you find them in the draft in like the middle rounds, rounds two through three and four and five. Um, and so, you know, not having those early picks, like maybe it won't hurt, hurt the, hurt the Rams or the, the 49ers as much as, as we think, cause they still have middle round picks. But like, I think it, it, when you think about hit rates of like how many players in a draft class are, are actually a success, it's like probably like maybe one or two, you know, of all the like seven players that you pick from. And if you have that low of a rate of success and you don't give yourself that many chances at it, you know, the chances of, of picking out an impact player are going to be less. And so, Hey, we'll, we'll find out if Les Snead was, is a man scientist and getting Odell Beckham and trading away all his first round picks. And if he's going to be able to resign all those guys in a couple of years, who knows, but uh, it's, it's working right now as of, you know, as of January 25th, 2022, uh, he looks like a, he looks like a genius. The thing is, with the quarterback, you're just not allowed to miss. So if you have Aaron Rodgers, if you have Josh Allen, if you have Patrick Mahomes, pay them. Pay them what they whatever they want. Because those guys have shown that they can get you at least knocking on the door to being in a Super Bowl and potentially winning a championship. If the guy you're paying a bunch of money to that's, uh, you know, got a, you know, you know who the number one cap hit is for next year? At $48.6 million? Is it Matt Matthew Ryan? Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to pay Matt Ryan 48 mil, or you're going to pay Kirk Cousins 45, or you're going to pay Ryan Tannehill 38.6, yeah, you're, you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> but well, the, there, are, there are a select few guys. So I, I understand your point of you can't just give any quarterback that money. I will absolutely agree with you there what i'm saying is three of the guys that are playing this weekend burrow allen well allen's not playing this coming weekend but mahomes and and um and uh burrow for sure sorry minor brain meltdown there um and even even stafford to a certain extent like build around those guys like you can make it there with them you just can't you can't say Kirk Cousins is our guy for $45 million. No, but I think that I agree with you. And I think who is, who has benefited from this are the second tier level quarterbacks. Like you just mentioned, Tannehill, Kirk Cousins. I would put Baker in that to go and say, because the top line number for the top line guys is so high. Now you're still kind of getting, I mean, Kirk Cousins at $45 million is like psychotic, but to think about those numbers to go and say, well, what would you pay a Baker Mayfield? Who I think this year he got, uh, he was injured for a lot of the year. And I think people kind of discount how big injuries are. I'm not saying he's, he's top level, but I'm saying he's better than I think what we saw this year. But, you know, obviously for the Browns, it's like, well, you can't pay the guy based on, you know, what his results were, you know, this year or basically what they were last year. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's, it's too long ago, but I think that if you're if you're an NFL team and and you kind of have your wish, there's a part of me that's like I would probably invest in a defense just because it's a more cost effective measure 
And then you got to get, again, I don't want to use Tannehill, but you have to get, I would say, like a mid-level quarterback where you're like, we trust him with the ball and he makes enough plays. Now, what that number is probably higher than what you're willing to pay, but this Matt Ryan, like right. that Matt Ryan contract is like is like the Russell Westbrook contract in the NBA. It's just death. No one wants that thing. And it's because he won an MVP. The the Atlanta Brass were like, this is never gonna end. And then they're like, oh wait, Kyle Shanahan left. And then and then inexplicably, you know, one of their receivers just kind of like didn't didn't want to play anymore. Kelvin Ridley. I think he said it was mental health, but I haven't heard a lot on on what it is beyond that. And now they're saying they kind of want to like end the relationship where like he wants a, a new start. Right. But it's like, and and they've got one of the, you know, one of the best talented tight end ever. Um, so it's, it's going to be an interesting situation where you get those next level. It's, it's the second tier guys. It's the, it's the Matt Ryan's, you know, at the time it's the, it's now it's the Tannehill's it's the, it's the Baker Mayfields I, for Lamar. I, no offense to Lamar, whatever, but like, I don't know if I could pay him top level quarterback money at this point in time, but I think they will. I think he's just so ingrained into that, uh, into that city, uh, into that team. They built around him so much that like, you can't just kind of, you know, throw it and throw it in reverse and kind of say, Hey, we're going to draft a different kind of quarterback. I just, I just don't think they can do that. I think that's going to do it for this week here, Chris. We're heading into championship weekend. We appreciate you all sticking around. Um, I think in the off season here, we might have to do a deep dive into to football salary cap. Zach, uh, I, I could I could see myself spending an afternoon uh, debating with you on that. Oh, on a I constructive love, team. I love I love uh, the financial side of NFL stuff. So if uh, if if we if it's our lowest rated podcast ever. I I don't mind it. It'll at least be forty five minutes of good content that I'll listen to. Perfect, because I think we're 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 getting to a point where you and I might be the only ones left listening, so that works out well. <laughs> On the flip side, we will come back next week. Uh, I will hopefully not be wearing an O for four in picks uh, sombrero any longer. I will have a full review for you, however, of home team coming out on netflix this friday i'm reading this like they're an ad sponsor but um really gonna get my kevin james on this weekend enjoy some championship football and uh see what we can do so for christopher weinfurt i am ryan weggs thank you as always for joining us here on absolute metaphysical sportitude we'll see you soon cheers <laughs>